What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we're going to get you caught up on all the latest news heading into SEC Week 4, including injury updates in Arkansas, Mizzou, and Alabama. Auburn loses yet another quarterback this week. What is going on? We'll talk with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports and ESPN's Taylor McCarr. Get their picks for this weekend. And it's officially prediction time for us. We'll give you our picks for Week 4. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what has happened, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. All right, we've got plenty to jump into. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Around the conference. And we start over at Auburn. As the news came out, quarterback Zach Calzada Set to have season-ending surgery, according to On3 Sports. The sophomore from uh, transfer that came from Texas A&M going to miss the rest of this season and will apply for a medical red shirt. Uh, if he gets that, he'll still have three years of eligibility to le- uh, left. But surgery reportedly going to be on his shoulder. That's an injury that he suffered against Auburn last year. Uh, Calzada said it was a difficult decision that came after he was competing for the starting quarterback job. Uh, this news also comes after, you know, it was announced that T.J. Finley is going to miss this Saturday's game. Brian Harson said that uh, Finley has been at practice but didn't say whether or not he had been participating. The uh, junior quarterback had been working through that shoulder injury this season, will not be available for Auburn's SEC opener against Missouri this weekend. Uh, Calzada, by the way, his surgery calls for a four-month rehabilitation time, meaning he will be healthy for spring practice. So now Auburn. With T.J. Finley banged up, not going to play this week, they hand the keys over to Robbie Ashford, who will start, and the true freshman Holden Gariner will back him up. And it doesn't sound like T.J. Finley going to be available. Now Zach Calzada calling it a season. He'll have a season-ending shoulder surgery. So, man, all the promise going for uh, Auburn this season. Man, things are spiraling quickly. They need to take care of business against Missouri this Saturday. We'll preview that game a little bit later. Ahead of Tennessee's rivalry game against Florida this weekend, Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel said he's making sure his team stays focused, doesn't get too distracted with game day and everything coming to town. He said, look, early in this week, there's been a little extra. There's probably a little bit extra here on the back end of the week as well before we get to Saturday. Our guys have been really good. The focus has been good. Practices have been intentional in the way we've approached them. And next 48 hours, continuing our prep and finishing our preparation will be a big part of uh, keeping the outside noise outside. But uh, for the first time in years, Tennessee is the favorite heading into the Florida game. Vols are 3-0 heading into the matchup. Now, Gary Danielson, he's going to be on the call on CBS along with Brad Nessler. And one of the big talking points uh, with Gary Danielson was Anthony Richardson. Can he bounce back from a slow start? And if you recall, Richardson was thought of as you know possibly a top NFL draft quarterback prospect heading into next year. Some people had him as a projected back end of the first round pick. Gary Danielson, talking with the Tampa Bay Times, said, I think all that hype is way, way out of whack. 
Richardson's a really good prospect, but the claim that he's a first-round pick was ludicrous. He needs a couple of years of throwing uh, throwing around 300 balls. You get used to being a, a pocket passer and emerge. He's high on numerous throws. The timing looks off. I don't think it's as simple as right now an accomplished quarterback fighting with a new system. I think it's a guy who is struggling to stand in the pocket and hit his target. If Richardson doesn't find his footing, well, Gary Danielson said, frankly, if Florida doesn't up their quarterback play, it's not going to be good enough against the competition they're going to face on Saturday or throughout the rest of the season. Now, ahead of this game uh, on Saturday, linebacker Amari Burney said the team is well prepared for Hendon Hooker. Said the Gators have a very good game plan to stop Hooker, but he didn't want to give too much away. Florida has given up 25 or more points in each of their three games so far this season. A quick injury update. Quarterback Jack Miller, uh, tight end Arliss Boardingham, offensive tackle Michael Tarquin, offensive tackle David Connor, long snapper Marco Ortiz are all out against this, uh, the Vols. Cornerback Jaden Hill is currently probable, and the potential biggest loss, Ventrell Miller, listed as questionable right now will be a game time decision he was upgraded to questionable this week after missing the usf game last week and one more note on anthony richardson dan mullen talking on espn this week about richardson and what he sees different in him he said look i thought richardson against utah was a guy that was relaxed and there was really no pressure they weren't expected to win that game they were almost the underdog at home and he went out and played and then the last two weeks, you saw a guy that now is a younger player is expected to lead the team. I think what we're seeing is a guy that feels, okay, I'm now this star. There's these expectations on me that I have to live up to. And I think he's really been pressing, it's looked to me, to really make the plays instead of having the plays come to him. So who would know better than Dan Mullen, who, you know, recruited and coached this guy last year. So uh, take that for what you will. Meanwhile, Arkansas, they're getting ready for their big game against Texas A&M and Sam Pittman giving us an update on a couple of his injured players. Defensive back Miles Slusher, uh, hopeful that they, he can make his return on Saturday. Slusher was injured in the team's season opener against Cincinnati. Details about his injury were not uh, revealed. It's believed to be an upper body injury. Pittman said, I think he's looked really good, practiced extremely well. I think he's ready to go. We're glad to have him back, Slusher. A uh, big get back for that uh, secondary that lost safety Jalen Catalan a couple weeks ago. So uh, that will be big for them. As for Texas A&M and the Aggies, Jimbo Fisher said, I want to give up the, the away weekend, but not the home weekend, talking about this neutral side game. He said it's unique. There's not many of them left. There's not a better place to play than Kyle Field, and I'm sure Sam would say the same thing about Arkansas. I'm a historian of the game. I like history and tradition, but change is inevitable. It does make a difference. I'm torn at times, but I like going to Dallas. Of course, the Aggies expected to bring a big, uh, you know, faithful uh, group of fans out to Dallas for this game. The Hogs going to do the same from Arkansas. And talking about how big this game is, Jimbo Fisher said, look, they're all big. It's your first conference game. It's not their first conference game. And the SEC West is tough in the end. It's one game. It's a very important game because it's the next one. You'd rather be on top than on the bottom of it. Fisher uh, said he understands Arkansas has struggled in past defense, but that uh, does have confidence that Barry Odom is going to straighten things out. He says, look, Barry knows how to use his people, moves them around, gets them in positions to play. i got a lot of respect for Barry. And as for facing K.J. Jefferson, Jimbo said, uh, every key moment of big games, he seems to make the big plays. Sometimes we get caught up in wanting to see numbers, those moments in big moments where you have to be the guy, 
He's, seen, he's shown that maturity and experience. Great runner and a thrower. Meanwhile, over at Vanderbilt, Clark Lee and company off to a 3-1 and one start, expe uh, exceeding expectations already. They are getting into uh, their SEC action facing Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And Will Anderson, a big guy that they've got to worry about. Clark Lee talking this week said, look, he's a game-changing player. His pass rush abilities are well documented. He's got a physical style in the run game. Really allows him to do some things in coverage. Their gap cancellation, his ability to play through the tackle and cancel the B gap and also hold the C gap and slash off and make plays on the ball. Allows him to commit more of their secondary to coverage and take those guys out of conflict. That's football talk from Clark Lee. Bigger picture, yeah, they got to hold off uh, Will Anderson from being a huge impact in this game if they expect to cover the uh, monster 40-and-a-half-point spread. More on that a little bit later. Meanwhile, Nick Saban, he gave us an update on wide receiver Aaron Anderson. The freshman receiver has been practicing, making progress. Saban says he still doesn't know when he's going to be ready to play. Saban wants Anderson to feel comfortable and confident, so they're still evaluating him day-to-day, -day, but... Uh, Aaron Anderson has seen little playing time this year with a knee injury. He's a two-sport athlete from New Orleans area. He was a four-star recruit. Alabama, again, taking on Vandy this Saturday. Meanwhile, over at Georgia, the Bulldogs getting ready to uh, take on Kent State. And, look, it, everybody knows Georgia's a big heavy favorite in this one and expected to blow out Kent State. But Kyrus Jackson, wide receiver for Georgia, he compared Kent State to the number 10 team in the country. Uh, Kyrus Jackson on the Kent State defense said, hey, we were watching their first series against Oklahoma, and I was like, man, those boys are flying around. He said, I'm excited to go out there and play against them and compare Kent State's defense to Arkansas's. I think uh, that is a shot at the Arkansas Razorbacks, but we'll see Kent State and Georgia this weekend. Meanwhile, over at Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz and his team looking to improve to 3-1 and one as they go to Jordan-Hare Stadium to face Auburn. It's only the fourth time the two schools have met. First in 1973, most recently in 2013 and 2017. The Mizzou Tigers, they are on Thursday. They released their injury report, and they'll be missing a running back as Elijah Young will not play, but all signs point to Nathaniel Pete. He's playing all three games this season. Sounds like he's going to give it a go. Drinkwitz said he's dealing with a soft tissue injury. Mizzou will also be without receivers Chance Looper and Demarion Houston, defensive lineman Kai Montgomery and O-lineman Hyron White. Meanwhile, over at South Carolina, Shane Beamer and company trying to get the train back on the track. This week, wide receiver Josh Van apologizing for some comments he made on a podcast he does with fellow Gamecock Darius Rush. He talked about the loss at Georgia this past weekend and said, look, there was one time not to bash a coach or nothing like that. It was a third down, and we called a play that we haven't went over in like three weeks. Afterwards, Van apologized, said, I addressed it with my coaches. I apologized about it. Stuff like that really needs to stay in-house. It is what it is. Offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield talked with the media and said he and Van had a conversation about the comments and took ownership in his play calling. He said, look, we hadn't repped that play in about three weeks. I shouldn't have done it, but I can't promise you I won't do it again. I'll try not to. Some news over at LSU as uh, the NCAA has placed LSU's football program under probation following a former coaching assistant's Recruiting violations, former LSU O-line coach James Craig was fired in June 2021 for violating NCAA rules for recruiting. The violations surrounded Craig and uh, a, a recruiting staffer meeting with a recruit during the COVID-19 dead period and giving him team gear against authorization. If you read the details on it, basically the recruit's mom was coming to look around the area and was looking to buy a house. And he said, well, I'm, let me show you around the area. 
And as the mom and the kid were leaving, he said, hey, let me give you a bag of uh, some used gear if you'd like it. A bag of hand-me-down clothes <laughs> with LSU logos on it. Look, this could go against any team in the SEC or any college program for that matter. That's an absolute joke that that's a violation. Look, if you want to go visit Arkansas or Alabama or whatever, and one of the coaches wants you to give you a, a bag of hand-me-down gear with the logos on it, I don't see how that's a violation. Absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, LSU's on a year probation for it. Doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of like a slap on the wrist and says, hey, uh, don't do anything bad again. By the way, James Craig, not even at LSU. He's currently an O-line coach for the San Francisco 49ers, and he worked for Coach O and all his staff, who are all gone to. So crazy to uh, even mention this, but it is the NCAA. They're very slow in getting uh, rulings going. Uh, one LSU note, though, uh, they will be without uh, star wide receiver Kayshawn Booty this weekend. Uh, he is excused, Brian Kelly said, to be with his girlfriend as they expect the birth of their first child. So, look, you're playing uh, New Mexico. I think LSU will be just fine. Meanwhile, Ole Miss, they are preparing to take on Tulsa as they make the trip to Oxford. Lane Kiffin in his third season with the Rebels. The Mississippi defense has been the one making all the headlines. Kiffin asked about it this week. He said, look, we've got good players. We have the best personnel we've had and dramatically different from the first year we were here. Credit to all, all those guys who have recruited all the players we have and to those guys for playing so well on the defensive side. We'll get to that game in just a little bit. Meanwhile, on Wednesday, it was Mark Stoops talking with the media, and he did confirm that running back Chris Rodriguez has been back practicing with the team. He said he's been taking some reps on the scout team just to stay in shape. He's coming down, taking some reps with the ones and twos, and looks good. And lastly, Mike Leach reviewed his loss at LSU last week. He said, I didn't think we were very great either half. I don't think we got into a rhythm as a team. We'd have some plays, but they're always just sort of guys playing hard and frantic, and then we'd make a play. I didn't think we ever consistently executed. I think we spent a lot of time playing with nine guys instead of 11. So a state will look to bounce back this week, too. And there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. Thank you guys again for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy's Sports. But first, I want to remind you this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. Easy to get started, easy to play as you are watching your teams play. Uh, look, very easy. Go to the Underdog app. I've got it. I've been playing it the last couple of weeks. I've been doing a lot of the three-team, you know, like you join and you, and you can do a three-team draft, basically, where you and two other people draft players, either with NFL or college. The cool thing they got on college uh, which is very easy. All you do is pick the higher or lower of some of the players. So, for instance, I'm looking at Texas versus Texas Tech on Saturday. B. John Robinson, the running back for Texas, they put his over-under at 110.5 rushing yards. All you do is pick higher or lower. It's very easy. <laughs> it's probably the easiest way to bet you've ever done. Uh, B. John Robinson, you think he's going to go under that total against Tech? You hit the lower, boom, your bet's made. You are good to go. It is easy to play. It's available in over 30 states. And, uh, again, some of those other ones you could just pick between two and five players across any team. Very easy to do. Sign up with our promo code LOCKEDON. That's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Deposit 100 bucks. Get 100 bucks free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Well, 
Welcome along here, Locked On SEC, and one of our favorite segments every week is catching up with our buddy Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports, and he joins us right now. And Lynn, let's jump right into it. Uh, big one this SEC weekend, Arkansas versus Texas A&M in Dallas, playing on a neutral field. We've seen Arkansas's run game has been one of the best in the country, while their defense has kind of been a, mix, a mixed bag for Texas A&M. Their offense has not been all that impressive, but their defense has played well, especially last week in the win over Miami. Uh, where are you on uh, Arkansas versus Texas A&M right now? Well, I mean, I think Arkansas is going to win the game, but uh, I think so far uh, Arkansas has looked like a better team. Uh, you know, they, um, they're, they're an impressive bunch. They've got, uh, you know, Coach Pittman's got them thinking they can win, guys, and that's, uh, that's something that Arkansas didn't have for a while through, you know, through several coaching staffs. And um, I'm just uh, – that's what I'm expecting. I, I think, you know, Texas A&M has shown us that they've got the potential, uh, that egg that they laid against Appalachian State. I know Appalachian State's a good team, but that, that, uh, that defeat was much, much worse than the score indicated. And um, I know Appalachian State is, is proving themselves to be a good team. But, um, but I just, you know, and, and A&M may surprise me. They're certainly capable of winning. But uh, right now, I'd have to go to Arkansas. Well, that's what's crazy, Lynn, is that the odds makers have A&M as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I've been diving into the numbers. Do you know Arkansas is dead last in the country in passing yards given up? Uh, A&M feels like, man, look, you, you, you switched to Max Johnson, at quarterback. He played okay last week. He got the win over Miami. But if I'm a and I almost say, look, unleash the beast. Let's let's throw it around the field because all three teams that Arkansas faced their first three weeks, they've given up 300-yard passers. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't know it was dead last, but I knew they were bad. Uh, I, I, the last time I looked at it, they were last in the SEC. Um, but, the, you know, but the bottom line is, is, is wins and losses. And um, I, I, don't, I really don't know if anybody, if any significant program in the country has had an uglier loss than Texas A&M's loss to Appalachian State. Being at home and then only having about 18 minutes on your home field against Appalachian State. And so I'm, I'm really kind of basing it on that. But Texas A&M certainly could win the game. It's, it's not like a total overmatch. But if I had to go with one or the other, I'd, I'd go with Arkansas. There's a there's another big one uh, happening this weekend. It's, it's the CBS game of the week, but it's like it's a lopsided game. Tennessee's hosting Florida. Tennessee's a ten and a half point favorite. But I'm like looking at it, but like all my Vol fans or, or friends are texting me going, uh, "We're going to get our butts beat." But Florida's looked terrible ever since I, that went over Utah. Well, they didn't look that good in the win over Utah, uh, Chris. The the reason they won over Utah is because when Utah was down on the uh, Florida two yard line. Some genius decided it was a good idea to throw a, a pass over the middle uh, into a scrum almost. Uh, the Florida defensive back did make a really good play to dive and catch the ball. But why in the world do you call a pass from the Florida two-yard line? Uh, that's just, you know, but, anyway, but that's what happened. Florida won. Everybody went nuts about Florida. Uh, they named them the national team of the week and all that. And, um and I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more realism should have been put into why they ended up having more points in that game than Utah did. Uh, I, I think Tennessee – but, you know, hey, Tennessee has pulled the rug out from under us, meaning Lindy's and everybody else, a number of times over the last two decades. Um, you know, you've got five SEC teams that have played for multiple national championships since Tennessee's been in one. And, um, and they, you know, seems like about every two, three years you rank them high and they kind of fade back. Maybe uh, Hendon Hooker's the real deal. 
uh, maybe this Tennessee, you know, they went up to Pittsburgh and won the ball game. Uh, that's a that's a big win. That's the kind that they've been losing in recent years. The Florida game is the kind that they've been using, losing in recent years. But Florida's been kind of on the downswing, and I was I was really not sold on Florida at the start of this year. I I, I really thought that uh, Lindy's may have had Florida ranked too high in the preseason. So I like uh, I like Tennessee to win the game. They're at home. They've looked more impressive to me. Um, I like I like their quarterback play. So um, I'll go with Tennessee. Well, let me just get a quick thought from you. The the SEC schedule for next year uh, came out already this week. Of course, Texas and Oklahoma not in the SEC yet. They will be coming in just a couple of years. But news came out this week that Bedlam, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, that that rivalry game will not continue once the Sooners join the SEC. Just seems a little silly to me, Lynn, because we do have so many other SEC teams that have been able to continue their non-conference slates, like rivals like Kentucky and Louisville, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson. Just seems silly that they couldn't get this done. Yeah, I agree, and that, that's one of the things I don't like about it. But I'll tell you a good way to solve it: if in fact the um, Pac-12 is going to add four more teams from out on the West Coast into the Big Ten, so the Big Ten is going to have twenty teams and do that. If the SEC is going to, uh, you know, try to keep the pace and also have twenty teams, why don't we add Florida State, Clemson, Georgia Tech? And Oklahoma State. Because then what you've done is you've eliminated four situations where in-state rivalries could be lost by the expansion of the Southeastern Conference. So I say, uh, of course, I, I don't like all the expansion. I'd rather it stay at 16. I'd rather it stay at, tw- at 14, really. But, uh, but if it's going to expand, consider bringing Oklahoma State into the SEC. That's Quite a thought. He is Lynn Scarborough. Always appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next week. I do want to transition very quickly as we say goodbye to Lynn. We were able, uh, or we were not able to get our interview with ESPN analyst Taylor McCargan on yesterday's show like we normally do, but we did chat about a few things. Uh, We did tape the interview. So first up, I wanted to get this in. Here were uh, Taylor's thoughts on the Arkansas versus Texas A&M game. Yeah, if you're Arkansas, this is the game that you want to try and get your mojo back on the defensive side of the ball because that's the the unit that's struggling for Arkansas right now. Um, but this should be a team that they shouldn't have any trouble stopping on their offensive side, meaning the Aggies, because, man, this is one of the worst offensive units in really all of college football, but certainly in the SEC. And I don't care who's the quarterback between Haynes King and Max Johnson. Their scheme is just not good. They don't get the ball to the hands of their playmakers. They don't manufacture explosive plays. It feels like the scheme, it's, they either don't have the dudes on the field right now or they're not – the play calling with Jimbo is just not creative enough to create those explosive plays and these long, sustained 15-play drives in the SEC. You just can't do that over and over. I would expect Arkansas to win this game. If that happens, it's likely A&M goes 0-3 in their next three, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and at Alabama. They're going to have to figure out a way to get something going on offense or this may be a, a bottom half of the SEC type team before we before the end of the season. Taylor, this schedule for A and M, as we know, is brutal. But if they lose this one next week, they're going to have to go to Mississippi State, to Alabama, still have Ole Miss, Florida, at Auburn, LSU. I mean, if Jimbo starts stringing together a bunch of consecutive losses, do you think that seat starts to get hot up there in College Station? No, I don't think his seat is is hot at all because it's really the most unique contract in college sports and one of the more unique contracts in all of sports, they are tied to him for almost a hundred million dollars. There's, I know the Aggies have a ton of cash, but 
they're not going to fire him. They could lose out the rest of this season, and they're not going to fire him. I think what happens after this year, if the offense continues to struggle, is a and is going to force him to revamp his entire staff, and you're likely looking at Jimbo's not your play caller anymore. But it's you have married yourself to a guy that if you go back and look at the success at Florida State, I think a lot of it was just that he hit a home run with a quarterback that won a Heisman and Jameis Winston and covered up some of the problems in the play calling and the scheme that ultimately led to the sort of the, the downfall toward the end at Florida State. And A&M wants so badly to be relevant and so badly to you know get into the college football playoff that they tie themselves to a head coach that does have a national championship and has proven himself at the highest level. This enormous contract, they can't get out from under it in the next couple seasons. So they're married to Jimbo, and it, you're not going to see any major changes come this season. That again, some of our conversation with our buddy Taylor McCarg. Okay, coming up, we're going to give you our picks for this weekend's games in the SEC. Thank you for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. All right, let's get into it as we head into SEC Week 4. Man, we got some uh, big ones in the conference this weekend, and we've got some duds. So let's jump into to it and give you our picks. This is based on the latest betting lines from our friends over at Bet Online. It is where the game starts. And we'll start here with Georgia and Kent State, 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. Georgia is a 45-point favorite. And I'm taking Georgia minus the 45. Stetson Bennett, the Heisman campaign continues. Over 900 yards passing, five passing touchdowns, a couple rushing touchdowns. I think they keep it up. Georgia covers at 45. Also at 11 a.m., it is Bowling Green at Mississippi State. State is a 30-point favorite. And you know what? I'm going to take State to bounce back this week. I think they cover the 30. I think their defense plays a little bit tougher this week. And I think... Mississippi State wins somewhere around 45-14. to 14. So give me Mississippi State minus the 30 over Bowling Green. The big one, the Brian Harson game at 11 a.m. Central on ESPN. Mizzou 2-1 at Auburn 2-1. Auburn around a touchdown favorite. No T.J. Finley in this one. It's going to be Robbie Ashford's show as long as he can stay healthy. But it better be the Tank Bigsby show. We better see a lot of Tank Bigsby. I know Brady Cook uh, has been kind of okay so far at quarterback for Mizzou. Big-time pass catchers and Dominic Lovett. Of course, Luther Burden, who they're getting going. But I like Auburn at home minus the seven. This is Brian Harson's job on the line. If he loses this game, mark my words, I don't think Brian Harson is the head coach at Auburn come Monday morning. Could be wrong on that. But Auburn needs to win this one. They got to have it. I think the fighting Harsons beat the fighting Drinkwitzes. And be a tough loss to start SEC play for Eli and Mizzou. Coming up in the afternoon, 3 o'clock Central on the SEC Network. It is 2-1 Tulsa at number 16 Ole Miss. Ole Miss a 21.5 point favorite. And look, their defense has been very good, but the schedule has been very kind to them. I'm taking Tulsa plus the 21.5. I think Ole Miss wins. But Tulsa is the number one passing offense in all of college football, averaging 413 yards a game. I think they put up some points on Ole Miss this week. I think Ole Miss in that ground and pound uh, run game gets going. 
Going to be interesting to see Jackson Dart. Let's put him to the test, unleash him. Let's have him throw a bunch and see what he can do. But give me Tulsa plus the 21 and a half. Into the evening at 6 p.m. Central, 7 Eastern on ESPN2. It is Northern Illinois, 1 and 2 at number 8, Kentucky. Kentucky is a 26 and a half point favorite. I went back and forth on this one all week. I know Northern Illinois just lost at home to Vanderbilt. They blew it in the second half. Didn't do much of anything. I'm going to say Kentucky covers, but I don't feel good about it. Give me Kentucky minus the 26 and a half. Also in the evening at 6.30 Central on the SEC Network, it'll be 3-1 Vandy at number 2 Alabama. This line has been huge all week. Alabama minus 40 and a half. Look, Vandy's better this year. They're 3-1. Mike Wright looked good through the first couple of games, and they switched to A.J. Swan, who got him the big road win last week at Northern Illinois. I think Vandy is able to score some points this week. I think their defense will play tough, but unfortunately Alabama's just too good on, on offense. But I'm going to take Vandy plus the 40 and a half. That's a lot of points, man. 40 and a half. Look, unless you think Vandy only scores three points or something, then take Bama minus the points. But I'm taking Vandy plus. I think Vandy can get to at least 10, maybe 14 points. And I think they cover the 40 and a half. That's a lot of points. Also at night, 7.30 Eastern on ESPNU. It is 1-3 Charlotte at South Carolina. South Carolina, 22.5 point favorites. I know Charlotte's not very good, but South Carolina's not very good. They just got their butts handed to them by Georgia. They lost to Arkansas the week prior. Spencer Rattlers looked okay. I think I think South Carolina wins, but I'm going to err on the side of caution. I'm going to take Charlotte plus the 22.5. Even if the Gamecocks win by 21, you still get the cover there. And then the last night game, uh, before we get to the two big ones, it is 2-1 New Mexico at 2-1 LSU. I'm going to take New Mexico plus the 31.5. Again, big crooked number. I think LSU wins handily, but probably something like 41-14. to I think New Mexico gets that cover. All right, to the night games. First up, let's do Florida. I like Florida to cover the 10.5 in Knoxville. But I got the Vols winning. 34-27, Hendon Hooker and the Vols get the win. It's not easy. We see a resurgence of Anthony Richardson this week. He looks much better. The offense scores points, but not enough to beat the Vols in Knoxville. Florida covers, but the Vols win. And then the other night game, or into the night game, it is Arkansas and A&M in Dallas. Number 10 Arkansas versus number 23 Texas A&M. I said all week, I don't get why AM is a two-point favorite, but they still are according to Bet Online. Give me Arkansas straight up in the upset over AM. So take the Razorbacks plus two, but take a money line. Arkansas wins this one 31 to 24 over Texas AM. And there you have it. Those are our week four picks in the SEC. Write them down, lock them in, go make your bets, and of course, keep up to date with Bet Online all weekend on all the information that you're going to need. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. I am Chris Gordy. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Recapping the weekend that was. We'll give you our winners of the weekend, who disappointed us. Get into all that Monday right here on Locked on SEC. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen. Check out Locked on Gators, Locked on Vols, Locked on Razorbacks. They're going to have you covered with all the reaction from this weekend, good or bad. Talk to you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.